Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. Josh Robery is a ministry leader, communicator, and creative who has helped train over 600 pastors to start new churches through his role at the Association of Related Churches. He's also a contributor to many online ministry publications, including Relevant Magazine. Josh is from Baton Rouge, and so I loved getting to know him, chat more about raising confident daughters, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's meet Josh. Josh, I am so pumped to have you on today. Welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you. Good. Okay. So we already have so many things in common, which is so fun. We've already gone through our mutual friends list and turns out we have not only mutual friends, but people that we both really love dearly. So that's always just fun. And you're from Baton Rouge. Yeah. 225 for life. Um, You know, from Baton Rouge, (laughs) went to high school in Baton Rouge, graduated from LSU, uh, worked in Baton Rouge another seven years and you know, I really could never imagine leaving Baton Rouge, but eventually it happened. So, yeah. And I'm like, get me out of here. But at the same time, I love the people here so much. So we're probably, yeah, there was a few things that was hard to leave. The, the people there are just my favorite people. It was really hard Mm -hmm. to leave, uh, those people and I miss them greatly. And the food was hard to leave the food. Although I knew that if I moved somewhere else, I'd probably live a live longer, you know, <laughs> eat a True. healthier diet. And uh, of course, you know, I miss the LSU Tigers like crazy. And uh, yes, but we're still holding the banner strong here in Birmingham, Alabama, for the last almost ten years. Oh, almost ten years! That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Whenever I saw your LSU Tiger on your laptop on one of your podcast promo videos or photos, I was like, wait a second. Um, yeah. We need to talk about this because yeah. go Tigers. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And I was able to go to a game this year. I went to the Florida game, which I, which was probably the best game this year. Uh, no Jaden Daniels had those great runs. And so it was good to see some friends and be back in Tiger Stadium and, and all that great stuff. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. So you're in Birmingham. I've already done your intro, but give us a little bit about your title, and then tell us more about your family and your family life. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So uh, right now I work at ARC, um, the Association Related Churches, helping church planners. Um, My wife and I moved here in 2014 uh, to do that, and almost 10 years later, we're still doing the same thing. So we've helped over 650 churches start at ARC um, through the church planner training process, and right now oversee the coaching and the training that the church planners do and get to be involved in a lot of fun things with pastors and art. That's just really, really a joy. And of course I get to work with my wife, Amy. Uh, so we moved here, Ark hired me. And then, uh, a couple weeks later they hired Amy and now Amy's basically my boss. So that's, that's <laughs> not even, I'm not even joking about that. So, uh, so we get to do this together, uh, which is, you know, it's been interesting, you know, over the years, uh, there's a lot of benefits working together and there's a lot of challenges that comes with it. And, uh, we have two girls, uh, Sophie, and Gracie, so wisdom and grace. Um, Sophie was born in Baton Rouge at Women's Hospital there. And uh, so she was about, um, I don't know, I guess she was about three years old when we moved here. 
And then shortly after that, her sister was born in Birmingham. So we have two two girls. One's a Birmingham girl. One's a Baton Rouge girl. But they both <laughs> cheer for the Tigers equally with as passionate. And um, so they, they've gotten to grow up with us here, which has been really interesting because I never imagined uh, raising two girls and not being a pastor at a church and and incorporating them into uh, the ministry and all that we do. But what's been interesting to see happen is these roles develop and their relationship with God develop while we're working for basically a nonprofit, uh, but they still become passionate about the church. And my my oldest, who's 12 now, uh, we, we she has been to so many church plants that she could you know, she could literally train people at this point. And the things that she says about the kids ministry and the way they're doing things and how a pastor's handling things, she's just witnessed so much that she she has valuable input. So the last couple of churches we've been to, they'll ask her like, you know, oh, you're visiting, you know, where are you from? She's like, oh, I go to Church of the Highlands. And yeah. she'll end up being in like little interview sessions with uh, the children's pastors telling them how to improve their kids ministry, which has been really funny to uh, see. That is incredible. Yeah. I love that y'all can work so closely together. I actually was thinking whenever I had Goldie, I was like, I want to be able to bring her places, bring her with me in ministry or, you know, whether I'm speaking or traveling somewhere, I want to be able to bring her with me and just let her witness what different churches are like, different cultures, different um, worship is like in different places and then just mm-hmm. kind of see the body of Christ all over the nation or, you know, wherever God has us go. But so I love that you're already kind of doing that. And what about your youngest? Is she, how old? I forgot. You said 12 and so Gracie's eight. eight yes. And eight. Uh, so what's interesting, if you were to see a family photo of us, uh, my youngest looks very much like my wife. She could be her younger twin. And then Sophie has more of my complexion and eyes and build looks like we, we have opposite personalities. My oldest mimics my wife's personality almost identically. My youngest mimics mine. And so uh, Gracie is the funniest person I've ever met. Uh, Every, every dinner is dinner theater. So uh, (laughs) there's always, uh, you know, last night she was talking, you know, the big news while we're recording this is Nick Saban retired yesterday and we got a good college football theme going on this podcast. Yeah. And so my (laughs) daughter's Gracie's like, I, 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 I don't want to go to school tomorrow. It's going to be crazy. And she jumps off off the table. She goes, all oh, the kids are going to be like, Saban's retired. Ah, she starts screaming and throwing herself <laughs> on the floor and like acting like a desperate Alabama fan, I guess. And Amy said, do you really feel that way? Or did you just want the excuse to get up and give us another performance? And so I really yeah. think we could sell tickets uh, to dinner um, every, every night. So the, just to watch Gracie, she has always said really funny things. You know, one of the things that I – um, do with my daughters. One of the things is um, I tell them, I, I brought them aside one day. I was in a car or something. I don't know exactly where we were, but I was like, listen, don't marry an idiot. It's like, because <laughs> when you marry an idiot, you don't just ruin your life, you ruin my life because now that person's part of my life. And so every now and then when I see a young person behaving with immature behavior, I just say, hey, that's an idiot. You know, <laughs> do not marry an idiot. Okay. I don't care who you marry, just don't marry an idiot. And so um, another thing we do with them is, um, is you know, we don't talk about strangers because a lot of what we've learned, you know, over the years is that uh, it's not necessarily strangers that end up hurting kids. It's sneaky people. It's people that gain their trust and then they then they hurt them. 
And yeah. so we always talk about sneaky people and say, hey, this is what you got to look out for with sneaky people. And um, and so we, we educate them with that. So I'm giving you a couple of vocabulary words to set up this next story. So we were at Panera Bread a couple of years ago, and uh, Sophie had just played a basketball game, and we were we were eating, and Gracie loves saying prayer. Sophie doesn't ever pray over the food, and I'm sure we, we'll have a chance to talk about that more <laughs> on this podcast, but Gracie wants to pray every time, and she she's praying, and she's like, you know, we, we were in the middle of coronavirus, and so she was like, mm. <laughs> it's crazy. She was like, Lord, bless, bless his food, um, but uh, bless everyone around the world. Bless everyone except the people who cause coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> don't bless this. Don't bless bad guys. Don't bless sneaky people. Don't bless uh, supervillains. And then she paused. Supervillains or idiots. <laughs> so everyone's looking like, what's wrong with this kid? And so now that we laugh so hard at that, she'll end a lot of her prayers with, "Bless everybody except idiots." Except idiots. <laughs> that is so funny and so cute. I can't wait to find out what her enneagram will be because you and I just talked about that you're an eight wing seven. So I'm yes. like. Oh, I can't wait. I'm sure she's a seven. Uh, I'm sure she's a seven, but um, I think she'll end up being a seven. But I heard you're not supposed to like type them too hard when they're kids because you can put them in a box. Yeah. So we try not to, but I'm pretty sure she just wants to experience all of life. She wants as many snacks as she can get. She wants as many experiences as she can get. She can go all, I can take her to the movies, to an arcade. I can take her to the park. And she's like, we didn't do anything today. You know, just like, what are you talking about? She's like, I want to do something really fun. <laughs> you want to do something really, and you said you would do something really fun. I mean, that was fun, but was it really fun? And so she's always wanting more out of life. That if she's not a seven, I'll be shocked. If she's yeah. not, I'll need to borrow her for a case study because yeah. that is so good. So funny. I love this so much. You know, whenever we were originally talking about like topics we could talk about, you can speak on a ton of different topics, especially church related, uh, creative communication, like all of these things, because you're multifaceted and writing, you know, contributing to relevant magazine, all of these awesome things that you do. But the thing that you mentioned that I was like, yes, this is really what I want to know more about because I'm stepping into this is raising confident daughters. I only have one right now, but I already know I'm going to have another one. I just feel like (laughs) I just feel it in my soul. And so I'm like, yes, can we please have this conversation? I'm so curious about, you know, your tactics. You're at least uh, 10 years ahead of me in the game. And um, I was walking with my friend the other day and she was like, okay, she just became a girl mom. And she was like, okay, what do you do with body image? Like, how do you approach Mm -hmm. body image with Goldie? And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. I think about body image with her every single day, every single day, it crosses my mind. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. All of that said, how do I raise a confident daughter? (laughs) Please, please help me out. So it's some tips, you know, I'll preface everything with my, my daughters aren't fully grown yet. So the, the jury's still out. I know there might be someone listening. It's like, how could you even dare to talk about this at 12 and eight? And, um, you know, I get that they're not fully there yet, but they, they are two amazing girls. Um, they, they are both very confident and I've been very intentional about that. And I have a lot of opportunity to talk about church planning. I have a lot of opportunity to talk about soul care, but man, this is the thing that I think I'm best at. And I just, it's hard to find the, 
the platform and opportunity to, to speak on this. Mm-hmm. If I would, someone, you know, anyone ever ask you, like, hey, what's your, what's your secret talent? I really believe mine's being a dad. I really think that it's the thing that I'm best at. And, um, and it's just, I'm, I'm so grateful for you to give me the opportunity to talk about it because um, I've, I've had a unique journey where I, I'm, I have two girls and I was never expecting girls. I was expecting boys. I knew I'd be <laughs> a great boy dad. Um, I wanted to, there's so much I wanted to impart into a son and, you know, it's two girls. And so it's been a completely different journey than I expected. If you knew me, uh, when I, before I had children, you would say, there's no way Josh would ever be good at raising girls. I mean, he is, he is a boy's (laughs) boy, you know, he needs a son. Um, there's just no doubt about it, but over the years, you know, I've just watched my girls and I've heard the feedback from other people. They're like, how are you so good with girls? Like, cause Mm -hmm. I'll coach their teams and they'll, the moms will come up like you, how do you know to do that? Like this, it's different, you know? And so I'm really grateful to talk about it. Um, my, my, the way that I raised my girls, I think is, is deeply influenced by the way God changed my life about 12 years ago when my wife and I, uh, we gave up our roles as youth and young adult pastors on the executive team of a large church in Baton Rouge and stepped away from ministry uh, for two and a half years before coming to ARC. And in that time, I write about that. It's not a plug. It's just part of the story. My book, Believe Again, plug it. Um, you know, um, but I had a bunch of unconventional mentors and a bunch of just really different things happen in our lives, including months after we left that job. Uh, we had to move out of our house because we could no longer afford it. We moved in with Amy's parents, then her dad died. And then um, just a lot, a lot of bad things happened in a row. Mm-hmm. And this all caused me to like reevaluate the way that I saw God, life, and others. And I realized all that had to change. And a big part of that was the way I wanted to raise my daughter. And so Sophie came into our lives um, May 9th of 2011. Um, she she was born on almost the exact same day as my wife's dad, who would end up dying a year and a half later. And yeah. um, they're like born 50 minutes apart day-wise. So she would have just come 50 minutes later. They would have had the same birthday. Um, but yeah, so she came into our lives and it, it changed me in, in a huge way because what happened was is I, I was disappointed with my experience with my parents. My parents divorced when I was two. Uh, they would both go on to marry a total of three times each. Um, and then I, I just didn't have a great relationship with my mom. Um, and so all of this was like, was tricky when it came to like raising my daughter. Like, how was I going to do this right? I, I don't, re- I don't connect well with my mom. You know, my family, it's not, there's not a role model for me there. Um, but for whatever reason, when Sophie was born, it was the, and this is, I don't even plan to say this, but it was like the first time I had really felt unconditional love from another person. Mm. And the way that she looked at me, it just did something. It healed something that was broken inside of me in a huge way. And it was bizarre. I was not expecting this from an infant. And then um, I was interested in being a good dad. I I felt like my dad tried to be a good dad as best he could. He just had a lot of trauma that he was working through. Mm. And it just, he, you know, he didn't finish the race I think the way that he would, would would have wanted to, and if he could go back and do it over again now, I think he would do it differently. Um, and, and, I, and I wanted to be a good dad to Sophie. I just I just was struggling. And so I went and found some good dads. I just started asking questions. And they're like, listen, you know, change their diapers. Like, change their diapers. Like, the culture in our church and our guys, like, men don't change diapers. That's yeah. You're weak if you change a diaper. And they're like, change every diaper you can. Because there's that's only a short period of time that's gone. And like give her every bath you can because there's only a short period of time 
that you can give her a bath and then it's over. And then mm-hmm. um, Amy told me, she's like, Josh, the only way that you're going to, she's going to get to know you is if you feed her, you have to feed her, you have to rock her because there's, that's the only thing she needs. And so you have to give her the bottle. We, we did a combination feeding thing. Uh, not to get into too much detail there, but no, um, that's great. And so um, we did the and same so, thing. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do the things that I don't want to do to have relationship with this baby, so that there's some type of bond. And for whatever, and we found out later why. But Sophie, um, she's very sensitive to sound, noise, smell, taste, and touch. And so there was no laying on you. To, there was no. She was bouncing around a lot. She we would come out, find out you know, tragically, you know, later down the road that she has a list of disabilities. We didn't know it at the time. And so um, it was really hard to connect with her. But what happened when I wasn't aware was this philosophy started to develop inside of me. If I want to have relationship with her down the road, when many kids start to separate from their parents, I need to give her relationship now when many parents don't want to invest it because they're not getting anything out of it. I think too many dads wait until they can start playing with their kids to start bonding with their kids. And that's the first mistake that I feel like I avoided because I did everything I could to bond with it right away. When I came home, put my phone away. You cannot give a kid attention if your phone is anywhere near you. You have to put that away, get on the floor. And I, she didn't know how to put blocks in the, in the right hole, but I would I would do it with her over and over over again. I'd hit the piano keys. I would crawl on the floor with her. And I just really started doing that. And at first, she wanted nothing to do with me, but... I remember the day whenever Amy went to put her to bed and she says, no, I want dad. And Amy was shocked. You know, she just couldn't believe it that she said this. And I knew that that all my hard work had paid off. But what happened for us is too, when, and I'm I'm taking way too long to answer this question. I apologize. No, I love it. I'm here for but, it. Okay. Well, so whenever we made this decision to make this big change in our life was basically I was rocking her, uh, rocking her to sleep. And I was thinking about the kids in our youth group and, um, the way that I was leading, I was a very harsh, demanding, and judgmental leader without a lot of understanding of grace and mercy and patience. And I uh, was more, it was all under the um, motivation of justice and doing things the right way. It was all had a good motive, but it just, it was very much an unfriendly place to 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 kind of do ministry the way that I was doing it at the time. And I just realized, like, I, I don't want to raise my daughter to go to my youth group. And I was like... <laughs> Like, if that's the case, then why am I doing it this way? I need to change, but it would be too hard. And I'm like, well, what what am I going to explain to her down the road that it would be too hard to make a change because of the finances, because of the relationships, because of that I wasn't willing to do it? Or what I think should be more proud of, hey, dad, you you gave up a lot because you wanted to see us in a better place and you did it. And the thing I knew when I, I knew that was the right decision, but I also knew she would never realize I made that decision because... She's too young now to know what happened and she won't care by the time she's older. She's going to grow up, you know, in a great place. And I thought, you know what? Her growing up in the right environment as a confident young woman is going to be my motivation for doing that. And so I did that. And as I did that, I began to realize a lot of my wrong perspectives about church, a lot of the hurt that I was putting on other people was really not about them. It was about my own home experience. And as I began to study spiritual abuse, as I began to study church hurt, I began to realize, oh, a lot of this stuff is really happening in the home. It's mm. just being talked mm. about with the church. And so a lot of the people that are harsh in church, they're like crazy harsh with their kids. Yeah. And I began to realize, okay, I'm going to have to change things in my home 
and I can't do that until I change things in me. So I first started working on me. Then we started changing things in our home. And that's it became like this lifelong process. And so I'll pause there because I said a lot, but that's where that that journey became. So the new way that I approached my children is was through the lens of how I began to, in the new way I began to see the lens of how God saw me. And when I've changed the way that God saw me, I've changed the way that I began to relate to my kids and 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 how I wanted to raise them. Yeah, absolutely. I think the as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, like the, when I, as parenthood, I'm only two years in, but I'm like, I have learned so much about myself and things that I've held too tightly to and things that I've held, you know, too loosely to things that I just didn't even know. And I feel so overwhelmed with like research and trying to figure it all out and trying to be the best version of myself. But this process is going to serve her in the future, going through these things of what am I holding on to tightly to? What am I holding on to loosely to? You know, when I think of my husband and I, we are machines when it comes to productivity. So like if we have the time and space, we can do anything. I'm a two wing three. He's a three wing two. If that tells you anything (laughs) from the Enneagram productivity is our life. Like motto, our actual marriage motto is teamwork makes the dream work. And, but then whenever there's a disruptor of our productivity uh, Mm -hmm. in the form of an infant, we were like, whoa, we, this just revealed so much about what we value and, and who we are as people. And we had to do some of that shaking down both of us, like, and getting on the floor and putting our phone down. And, um, I loved hearing you explain the things that you did because I'm thinking about my husband and he actively does those things too. So I'm like, yes, we're already on the right track for, uh, our confident daughter. But what you said, you were making some changes in the home. How did that go? Like what, what, let me, let me think of how I'm asking this. How did those changes directly serve your daughters? Like, what did that look like? Can you even see the fruit of those changes yet? Well, you know, um, what I realized was that Amy and I both had kind of driven down the same road for so long in the way that we we thought about God and each other. And we had this perfectionism mentality towards everything, everything, anything that wasn't perfect. It was almost like evil, you know, where the grace mentality tells you there's nothing perfect except for God, and He has endless mercy towards us. And so, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, we didn't have a lot of like mercy for each other, which was like a big problem, uh, obviously in yeah. marriage. Um, but we were both high achievers, and so that's why it almost wasn't a problem for so long because we were both working so hard uh, to be to be good husband, good wife, and all the things. But anytime one of us let each other down, it was like a huge letdown. Well, so what happened with Amy and I was, um, to back up a little bit, is that first of all, when I had a daughter, I began to see, oh, if God feels this way about me, Mm. that I feel about her, then I have to change the way that I think God thinks about me and other people. Because this kid could literally... You know, she could murder a village and I'd be innocent. I'm with her. You know, you know, there's nothing she could do that could change my love for her. So yeah. why was I feeling like God was mad at me all the time? Why was I feeling like like I had to do everything perfect in order for what God wanted for me? I had this idea, this this understanding 
you know, Romans, um, uh, you know, 12, one and two says, do not conform any longer passion of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is as good, pleasing and perfect will. So when you look at God's good, pleasing and perfect will, there's, there's some, some people would say, well, that's a target. You know, it's good. It's okay. It's pleasing you better. And it's perfect where you're supposed to be. That's not what that verse is saying. That's a, that's a, you know, a Pharisee's interpretation of it. What he's saying is that his will is good for you. His will is pleasing for you. His will is perfect for you. It's all three at the same time. And so I, I be, had to start to realize that God wanted good things for me more than I wanted good things for me. And I had never considered that before. I was 30 years old. Mm. And I was like, because that's what I wanted for her. And I said, well, that's then I have to change that over to Amy. But we had gone down this one path for so long that we had developed ruts in our mind, you know, ruts in our way way of thinking, and um, all that. And so, you know, what had happened was is we we had to get out of those ruts. And if you ever get stuck in a rut that's dried mud and you try to turn out of it, you might flip the car over at first, but you're out of the mud. So there were some moments where we flipped the car over, you know, or like um, it, it was tough. But I remember one argument in particular we got in. Amy really. You know, Amy was really patient with me because it was a very unconventional journey I was bringing her on. And by unconventional, I meant it didn't pay any money, you know. <laughs> and so she was ready for me many times to just do whatever I needed to do to 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 get back to work in a way that would provide for her like I promised I would. And mm -hmm. one argument in particular, she was really mad at me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really ugly. And I was like, I, I really... I'm so angry at her. I can't believe she has this perspective. And then something just dawned on me. It's like, she's not, she doesn't feel this way about you. She feels this way about the situation. And so I just started telling her, she was just, I mean, she was mad. You know, I'm I'm trying to, I'm making her look bad, but anyone that knows her knows, you know, I got the good end of this deal, you know, but she's really <laughs> mad. And um, I just started telling her, I love her. I was like, I love you. I love you. Nothing's, and she would, she would kind of say something else. I was like, nothing's ever going to, no, nothing's ever going to change that. I love you. I love you forever. And as I did that, she started crying and she just kind of melted into my arms. And I'm like, that fixed it. Wow. Who knew? I thought being right was how you want an argument. It's not. It's about affirming people who they are to you in that relationship. And so then that became my, my philosophy with my daughters where it's like, okay, wow. I'm not going to work on them being perfect or being right. I'm going to work on them being affirmed so that they're confident in who they are. And so affirmation became key. You talked about body image. I have two little girls. I'm deathly afraid of that, you know, and I just don't know how girls deal with it in this social media age and this posting age. And so I just figured I can't wait until they have a bad moment with their body image to try to address it. So, and uh, Gracie's getting this, I think maybe a little bit more than Sophie, but they, they hear from me constantly before their body becomes sexualized in any way when it's still young. I just tell them, I tell Gracie every part of her body is perfect constantly. And I just wonder how much that would impact her because it's like, oh, she's hearing it from her dad over and over again. But still to this day, when I tell her, I can tell her it's just melting and oozing into her soul. I, I tell her constantly, Gracie, you have the best hair. I mean, really, I, no one has hair like you. I bet every girl in your school is jealous of your hair. And I was like, Gracie, you have the best eyes. I just can't believe I have a daughter with such pretty eyes. I'll talk to her about her nose. I'll talk to her about her toes. I'll, I'll say her legs. I'll say, you're the perfect weight. I say, I can't, I, I just can't believe I have such a beautiful daughter. She's a perfect. I said, look at those little hands. I was like, oh, they're just perfect hands. Mm -hmm. I tell her about her body constantly as her dad for a lot of reasons. One is like, I don't want some 
scrappy dude to be the first one to tell her that she's, you know, beautiful. So, but I don't, I go way beyond, I mean, telling her she's beautiful and pretty, we're, we're so far beyond that. You know, mm-hmm. I've told her that so many times that it's now I'm just affirming every part. So whenever she has a doubt, Oh, I don't like my waistline. That, that thought it's going to come into her lot, her mind one day, but what is it going to encounter thousands and thousands or hundreds and hundreds of, of hearing from her dad and her mom how beautiful and perfect she is. So I'm sure the thought's going to come. I, I know it will, you know, but what's on the other side of the scale, I'm trying to get it fixed now and, and help her with that. Yeah. I love that. I wrote down, I'm writing notes because I'm <laughs> like, I've got, not that this isn't going to be recorded for me to hear whenever I want, but I want to take this and implement it like today. And yesterday, like already, but there's something that you said that it reminded me of. And it, and it's like, tell them, treat them so well that they will be able to immediately recognize whenever someone isn't or someone doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that obviously goes for any relationship. It's not even just dating relationships or, or family relationships, but friendships and like all of those things. I want Goldie to be nurtured so well and to be so emotionally intelligent that she sees when someone's not treating her well because she's surrounded by people who do. And the body image conversation, I'll probably be haunted with this for my entire life, but we were at a park, mind you, at the time, I think she was one and a half, like, I don't know. And there is, there's this big rock and Goldie is absolutely fearless. That's one thing that I love about her. And I try to let her do anything she wants. Like there's this roller coaster in the back of our house and then it goes down a hill and I'm like, go for it. Like you're two years old, but go down the roller coaster, whatever. But I say that because she's just fearless. So she sees this rock. She wants to climb the rock. And there's another little girl who's probably seven ish. I don't know. on the top of the rock. And I was like, wow, Goldie, she's such a, she's a, um, such a strong girl that she got to climb all the way up the rock. One day you're going to be so strong that you can climb up this whole rock. And the little girl looked down at Goldie and said, she's chubby. Oh, I wanted to lay under that rock. I was like, what, how do I respond? Like, this is soul crushing for me because this was the first time that I ever got to see the world view my daughter and, or, you know, obviously I'm not putting mm-hmm. the whole world on the shoulders of this seven year old, yeah. but it was just an example of like, oh my gosh, like she's not going to be under the prof- protection of me and my husband and my family speaking these affirmations over her all of the time. Like the world is going to speak something over her that obviously is not true. She's one and a half, like, but I'm still like, I think that'll haunt me for the rest of my life because I was just like, this was the first time (laughs) probably was a little traumatized by it. So is there anything, you know, that you can give me as peace of mind or anybody else who, whenever we encounter something, even though we're doing the affirmations, right. Or we think that we're doing something in the home correctly. And you can see their confidence kind of oozing out. What do we do when the world you know, shuts that down or counters that? That's a challenging question to answer. Um, You know, one of the things that we've done outside of, you know, we talked specifically about body image, but one of the other things Mm -hmm. that that I've done, and I started with Sophie, and so I continued it with Gracie. For the first like five, six, seven years of Sophie's life, 
you know, I basically would tell her, I didn't really know Sophie's personality at first. I just kind of guessed based on, you know, being two, three years old, like what she would be like. She's turned out to be very different than what I thought she would be at two or three. Um, but oh, interesting. Yeah. So she's, and then it's kind of gone around. It's, it's been, it's been interesting to, to watch her grow, but, um, what I would do is, is I'd use alliteration. Her name's Sophie. So I, but I put her to bed, I would say, you're my sweet, sweet, as in sweet, 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 Sophie, who's so, so sweet. And I love you so much. You're my very only special Sophie girl. And there's no one else like you. So she would hear that every single day. So someone saying that, it's like, what's wrong with them? What it would be like me telling you that your grass yeah. is purple, clouds yeah. are clouds are clouds are on fire. It's yes. like, no, it doesn't. Like, what are you talking? That is not reality. And then I would tell her this Love based that. on what I thought, I, and, and a little bit prophetic almost. I think you you tap into that when you're trying to affirm a young a, a one or two year old. But I would yeah. say, Sophie, you're so smart, you're so sweet, you're so sensitive, and you're so strong. And so when you mm-hmm. think about those four words, you know. People don't always view sensitivity and sweetness as a strength, but I know what in a woman those are those are incredibly valuable qualities that can really inspire or direct people in a way that and influence them in a way that they're not they're not aware of. So I started telling her that all the time. You're so smart, you're so sweet, you're so sensitive, and you're so strong. Now, what's crazy is all four of those things are true, and she's 12. It's so bizarre. She's she's borderline gifted, so it's a smart thing. Um, mm-hmm. She carries joy. Excuse me. She carries joy in a way that it's it's a game changer in every classroom she's ever been in. Every teacher's told us mm-hmm. um, she's extremely compassionate. Her compassion is is unbelievable. She's almost to a scary place. She sees the good in everybody. And then she's strong in a in, in a way that we didn't expect, and that is the fact that she has all these disabilities. Yet almost nobody knows. Uh, to the wow. to the point now, we've switched schools, and she hasn't really told all of her friends, other than the fact that she's dyslexic and has dysgraphia. Um, she hasn't even told them about some of the other things because nobody nobody can tell because she has this strength that she's able to manage her whole life. You know, for Sophie to walk straight, it's it's takes 10 times the strength that it would take me or you to walk straight yet her team wow. just won you know the metro championship in cross country and her time improved like 6 minutes over the year it's crazy you know the wow. things that she does and she's you know she wants to be on stage um for school performances and she deals with anxiety it's 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 really amazing and then with Gracie I tell her she's you know She's my great, great Gracie, who's so, so great, and I love her so much. She's my very only Gracie girl, and there's no one else like her. And I think, um, and I say, she's so genius, so gritty, so gracious, and so, um, oh, goodness, genius, gritty, gracious. I can't think of the other four, the fourth one. So uh, <laughs> you'll think yeah, of it as soon as we. Yeah, I ran, I ran <laughs> it through my head know. before I said it, and I and I thought I'm all genius, gracious, gritty, and uh, no, I can't think of it. Hopefully, I'll think of it later. <laughs> but then I always throw in something at the end, like whatever they're interested in. So I'd say, mm-hmm. and you're so, yeah, you are so artistic because Gracie's like really into art right now. It's like you're so artistic, or if she's playing soccer, I'm like, oh, and you're the best soccer player, and so stuff like that. Um, it's it's like a foreign 
foreign thing to them. And of course they, they've had to deal with that. You know, they've had people come and tell them this and that, and it's, it's more or less processing that, Hey, you know, not everything everyone says about us is true. And we just, we just break that down. That's really Mm. has more to do with them. When someone says anything negative about you, it's often because they're jealous of you, you know? Um, and they're, they are trying to make you, and I tell my girls, everyone has a thermostat in their heart. And what they try to do is they try to bring everyone around them to that temperature. If they have a oh, high, wow. if their thermostat's good, then they're going to bring everybody up. If their thermostat's low, they're going to try to bring everyone down. And so what that person was doing was not about you because you know you're beautiful. They were trying to bring you down how they see themselves. So um, that's the conversation that's awesome. we would have. I love that. I love that, the picture of that. And you can kind of have a big concept on a level that they can really understand. Um, I you're reminding me of this TikTok. I, I think it was a TikTok that I saw. And it was the little girl was like going up to her dad crying. This person said this about me. Uh, you know, she was crying going on. And the dad literally just looked at her and said, so? <laughs> and I was like yeah. watching it and I was like, oh my gosh. Like that's such a good response to, I mean, obviously you know, there's, there can be a conversation, all of that, but just that startling, like response of, so it made you think like, yeah. So, you know, as a, as a daughter, like I wish somebody, I'm obviously somebody's daughter and I wish somebody would just been like, so, so what, you know, like that's how little it matters is that. Absolutely. The other people's opinions just don't matter. Well, you like, know, the, the movie The Holiday, which I'm I'm guessing yeah. a lot of your your listeners have uh watched that I'm movie. Sure. We've seen it many times. Um, but there's, you know, I'm I'm really fascinated by that movie in a lot of ways. I just love movies about Hollywood. Um, you know, Jude Law, the way he looks into the camera at times. I'm just kidding. That's, you know, the running joke <laughs> about that movie. But um, you know, it's it's the music is amazing, but there's the the Kate Winslet's character she was had this missing component in her life and when he's, she's talking to the to the guy the director you know uh, the 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 old hollywood guy he mm-hmm. said she's missing missing gumption you know and i just thought man i don't want my girls to be missing that and so i want them to have gumption i want them to have that little you know that little extra something that you can overdo that right but they need to have a little spice to them and so yeah. i've really really um tried to help. And this is super unconventional parenting. I don't know that this is a practical tip that 90% of people apply because, you know, it can get, it can get kind of sideways, but I've really tried to get, teach them how to come back from something negative said to them. And so when they, what I do is I don't do it to them. I say it about other people with them near me. And so, uh, and then now that they're a little bit older, I do it a little bit, but you got to be careful with that because you don't want to ruin your kid's confidence by trying to be funny because it's just, it's just not a good idea. But um, my girls, they, they have great comebacks. And so they have, they've watched their dad and they know that, okay, listen, I can, I can push back, you know? Yeah. And so if someone says I'm chubby. It's like, well, have you looked at yourself? You know, they, they would come back <laughs> with something like that at this point. And um, Gracie has done that probably better than Sophie, the youngest one. They were in, in the same grade um, uh, as, uh, you know, not the same grade, same school. Gracie was in kindergarten. Sophie was in fifth grade. And kind of like the cool fifth grade boy, 
uh, was teasing Gracie and uh, she, and, and as Sophie's class was walking by and he had said Mm-mm. something that he thought he said, Oh, you're Sophie's sister. And, and uh, I forgot exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of, you know, well, how does it, how do you like having such a goofy sister? And Gracie's in kindergarten. This is like the coolest kid in fifth grade. I mean, this is a big deal. He's talking yeah. to her and in front of like his whole class. And she said, well, how do you like having a goofy face? <laughs> <laughs> everybody just went oh <laughs> so, you know i think having a little gumption in girls is good and um yeah but but the confidence is the, is the key thing that i just you know really feel like that's what we focused on so when i saw your podcast as wild confidence i just thought man i think i think this might be really a good episode you know to go along with your theme and you know the other thing i see parents do is they try to focus on making their kids leaders. And that was one mm. thing specifically that I, we have not done. Um, because whenever you try to train someone to be a leader, now you're putting a pressure to them. And I want to take the pressure off so they can be their authentic selves. And when I see what I happens that. when immature people try to become a leader, they're not being the leader they were made to be. They're being the leader they think you want them to be. So they're yes. overcompensating and not tapping into who they authentically are. And nobody likes being around that kind of person. I mean, that type of person is so annoying because they're always trying to lead everybody. Well, I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm supposed to be different. And so what we decided to do was is let's affirm the right things. Let's build confidence in who they are. And they will influence people, a.k.a. that's what leadership is, without having to be the person in charge. And we've seen that over and over again, especially with Sophie, who, um, you know, again, the first time she did a school play, when there was no audience there, she was fine. Uh, The first time she did it and there was an audience there, she ran off the stage crying and I had to hold her the whole time, which was a shocker because, you know, things weren't adding up. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, she has a disability. We just didn't know what it was yet. And she has, she has an anxiety disorder. We just didn't know that yet. And, um, And so we were expecting her to be this out front person, and yeah. she's not. She's behind the scenes. A couple of years ago, I brought her to a church that I was speaking at. And, you know, there's all these dreams and visions that you have of what your kids are going to be. And it's just, it's like dreaming and planning for a trip in Paris, but you land in Vienna. It's like, this is not yeah. where, where this is supposed to go. Um, yeah. But she, we go to the church and we go to the soundboard, and she's like, this is my area. This is where I want to sound. Wow. This is where I want to serve in church. I want to do production and sound. I'm just like, really? You don't want to be up there? Like, this is where all the action. And she's like, this is it. This is this is. It. I mean, to her, it's like just like this doesn't get any better than these buttons and knobs. And it's like, I've always run away from that area, you know? Yeah. Same. That's so funny. Oh, I and you know, as you're talking about leadership, I think my husband and I both were taught that and kind of drilled into our heads as we were growing up that we were leaders, we were leaders. And his is the example like you talked about. And in my case, there was so much pressure on it that I was like, well, I don't want to be a leader. So I'm going to rebel and just do anything opposite of that. Well, it turns out that obviously changed as I grew up, but it's just interesting, you know, how that pressure that you're talking about can really affect different people. And I love the approach that you're taking and definitely want to do the same thing because I just know that Goldie naturally has those instincts because we, we had our parent teacher conversation recently. They were like, so we have a problem. And we were like, what, like, what is the problem? Oh my gosh. And she's like, 
Well, anytime that Goldie does something, she gets the entire class to do it. And we were like, okay, like what? She's like spitting their water everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, great. Yes. I can work with that. Just steered in a different direction. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I'm like, oh, that's. I'm pro- I probably was leaning more towards like, oh, she's a leader. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm, I know what to do, but now I'm like, oh, you're so right. I need to change my perspective a little bit on that. So I love that. I am so pumped that we have been able to have this conversation. I think it's going to be so beneficial to all of my friends. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and I just appreciate it so much. Is there anything else that you feel like we missed or any last tip for us man we've, we've gone so long already i'm just so grateful you let me you know go on and on I, hopefully you edit a lot of this out and uh, make it shorter but absolutely not the, the uh <laughs> well the, the only other thing that i would add is you know i think it's really important for kids to have room to have accidents and make mistakes and yeah. your immediate response not to be i told you not to do this because this could happen uh, because then now you put them in a place where they're going to begin hiding things from you. I think it's really yeah. important uh, that kids have permission to have accidents uh, without an overreaction. Uh, oh, oh, don't worry. And I remember, you know, one of the first things, one of the first times that Sophie tried to hide something from me, which is probably one of the only times, um, is she, we were we were eating at Jim and Nick's a barbecue place here in Birmingham, and she knocked over the salt and it it made a mess. And I could see the whole thing. And she took the little menu card that's like the promo they put on the table, and she tried to push the salt behind there and hide it. And she was definitely afraid of what I would say because she had made a mess. And she was so afraid. I was like, oh, don't – how'd you make a mess? Why'd you make a mess? You know, why were you doing that, blah, blah, blah? And I just thought for a moment, you know, that's how God probably sees us when we think we're hiding our mess, you know, we put it behind this card. He saw the whole thing. And so I just pulled the card up and I said, hey, listen, I want you to know I saw the whole accident and it's okay. Accidents happen. You know, I want you to know that when you find yourself in a mistake, you need to let me know because I'm going to help you. I'm not yeah. going to hurt you. I'm going to get you out of that mess. And if you would have showed this to me, I would have cleaned it up right away and you wouldn't even have to try to hide it. So I just I just know, you know, my life, you know, there, there was there's little room for mistakes in my dad's home. And it caused me to live with a lot of unnecessary fear that I don't even think my dad intended to put on me. And I just don't want that for my kid. And I just, um, you know, try to let my girls know that they can make mistakes and I don't expect them to be perfect. I tell them, you know, even if you make a mistake, you know, you're, you'll always be perfect in my eyes in a sense, even though you're not perfect. Um, yeah, I, I just want to be there for you. I love it. That is, it's so good. You've given us so much to chew on and I already know, I, I mean, I took a ton of notes, so I'm just so thankful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and leadership. And that's literally just one thing that you talk about. There's so many other things. So where can we keep up with you, your podcast, your book? Like where can we keep up with you online? Yeah, I think the best place to go is believeagain.co, my website for my blog. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Josh Robery. And then I have an Instagram for my podcast as well, the Believe Again podcast. It's at believeagain.co. Our podcast, if you're looking for a great podcast, uh, you know, talk about soul care and and health and leadership. And this season, we did a season on church planning. We'd love, love for you to join us for the fun over there. Yes. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, Ainsley. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on Wild Confidence. 
I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget. Let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.